So turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We've been talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I've been on God the Holy Spirit for some time because most people know God the Father. They know all about God the Son, but the one they don't know about is God the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I've spent so much time talking about it. I'm going to talk about it again tonight and again next Wednesday. I think it's next Wednesday. We're going to pray for people. Uh, We'll dismiss everybody in after service. We're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed. The word anointing means to be consecrated, to be set apart uh, and given the authority and equipped for him or her to perform a spiritual task. So it means to be set apart and being given the authority by God and given the equipped by God with all the spiritual giftings you need in order to perform that gift. And so uh, it says here that Jesus was anointed, set apart by God with the, come on, with the Holy Spirit and with great power, great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all, and that's powerful for those who are believing God for healing right now, divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him and so had set him apart for this purpose and had poured out the Holy Spirit upon him. We know, if you go with me to Matthew chapter 3, that Jesus said, to John the Baptist, I have to do everything that I expect you to do. He said, I got to fulfill everything a man is required to do in order to complete my assignment. And so it says in Matthew chapter uh, 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus left Galilee to come to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But when he waded into the water, John resisted him, saying, Why are, why are you doing this? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, and yet you come to be baptized by me. You can imagine the experience of baptizing people, and Jesus Christ shows up and gets in the water and wants you to baptize him. Man, no wonder John's like, oh, oh, hang on a second. You, baptize me, Jesus. I'll get, let me, throw me down in the water, man. You baptize me. Who, who am I to baptize you? But Jesus said, he replied in verse 15, it is only right It is only right to do all that God requires. So he's talking about, I'm going to do everything my father requires. So my father's going to require you to to repent and be baptized. And so Jesus, he had nothing to repent for. He lived a sinless life. But the act of repentance is water baptism. You're saying, I'm dying, I'm dead to sin, and I'm coming back up and going to live the, the resurrected life. And he said, I'm going to do everything. It is only right in my Father's eyes that I do everything I'm going to require of you. Everything that you need to do, I'm going to do. And so he said, then then John baptized him. John understood. He said, okay, Jesus, you always do what's right. And so I get it. I'll do whatever you ask of me to do. So he baptizes him. And as Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend out of the heavens and rest upon him in the form of a dove. So he gets water baptized, then he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, the reason I'm talking about this again is because last time I talked about it, I didn't talk about this. That Jesus is the first one ever that the Holy Spirit not only came on, but stayed with. In the Old Testament, it would say, and the Spirit of God came upon them. But it never said the Spirit of God stayed with them. The Spirit of God would come on Samson. The Spirit of God would come on David. The Spirit of God would come on Moses. The Spirit of God would come on Abraham. The Spirit of God would show up. The Holy Spirit would show up and come upon them, but never stayed with them. Jesus is the first one that not only did he come upon him, but he stayed with him. How do we know he stayed with him? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Afterward, the Holy Spirit led who? The Holy Spirit led who? If Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, needed the Holy Spirit to lead him, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit to lead us? Let me say it again. If Jesus Christ, who is the Word. Some people teach when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it stopped because in Corinthians it says tongues will cease, that tongues will cease and prophecy will cease when perfection comes. Perfection is heaven, not here on earth, and it's not the compilation of the Bible. If, if, 
if perfection, which is Jesus' perfection, if perfection came and ended the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why would Jesus get baptized in the Holy Spirit and then need to be led by the Holy Spirit? He is the Word. He is perfection. So it takes the Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Both. In order to be led by the Holy Spirit, you must be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You must be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And so this is the reason, the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because I've seen so many Christians that are saved they have the, what we call the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit, we're going to read this scripture in just a moment. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts someone of sin, convicts them of justice, and convicts them of righteousness, or righteousness and justice. He's the one that draws people to Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit only testifies about Jesus. So he's the one that testifies to Jesus to a person, draws them, and when they accept, when they yield their will to God's will, and they accept Jesus Christ as Lord, he comes in and regenerates your spirit. You have to understand, you're born spiritually dead. Born spiritually dead. God has a grace. There's obvious God has a grace on children and has a grace on babies. But when someone gets to a place of what we call accountability or an age of accountability where they know right from wrong, good from evil, they know the difference between Jesus Christ and Satan, they have a choice. When they get to that place, now they're accountable. And that's not 50 years old. I would think that age would be somewhere around 12, 13 when someone really understands. Then they're accountable for their own spiritual life and where they spend eternity. So, Jesus is, we need the word, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and like I said, the reason I'm spending so much time on this is I see so many Christians that have the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, otherwise they've been recreated, their spirit's been regenerated from being dead, brought to life, and now you have eternal life in you and you're on your way to heaven. But Jesus, he, he was already that. But he still needed to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and still was led by the Holy Spirit. That's why before he leaves, his last word to the, to the disciples, the apostles, is not go, go create disciples. His last word is, hey, I want you to go, but before you go, wait. Before you can go, you need to wait. Wait for what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit and power to be a witness. So many Christians have been saved, that they've been born again, that the Holy Spirit has regenerated their spirit from the dead to life, but they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so many Christians live so far below where God wants them to and, don't, and never experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God is, wants, to, wants to pour out on you and has never actually been led by the Spirit in, from place to place and thing to thing. And so a lot of Christians live, live without any power. Jesus kept telling them, I want to give you power. I want to give you power. We just read that scripture. Jesus was anointed with what? The Holy Spirit and power. If Jesus needed that, he's the Christ. If he needed that, if Paul and Peter and Mark and Matthew and Luke and all the women of God, men, women, and children of God that were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the 120, if they all needed the power. And then we're going to read scripture after scripture tonight where, where Peter and Paul went to other Christians and said, you need the power. You need the power in order to fulfill the will of God and to walk in this newness of life that you have. If Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to be led by the Holy Spirit? Wow, what a word. Go with me. We're going to look at several scriptures as we always do when we talk about these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Now this is... This is really important that we catch this. It says in verse 13 of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, For 
by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. The word immersed means baptized. By, the, by one spirit. Who immersed you? Who baptized you here? By one spirit, capital S, who is that? The Holy Spirit immersed you. The Holy Spirit is the one that immersed you and made you what? What does it say? For by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. Made you a part of the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. He's the one that draws. And he's the one that God, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that God uses to actually regenerate you and make you part of the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. I would think that when we get introduced to the Holy Spirit, that we'd want to know the Holy Spirit, the way we know God the Father, God the Son, we'd want to know God the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that led Jesus. I want to be led by the same Holy Spirit that led Jesus. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm ministering enough, my heart, my, my prayers that I'm ministering enough to you that for some of you who are saved, you've, you've been, you've been uh, the Holy Spirit has baptized you into the family of God. You know, I've said before, there's at least two baptisms. There's really three. This is the first baptism. Some of your Bibles use the word baptized. How many of you, some of your Bibles said immersed, it says baptized? Because the word, that's what it means. It says baptized. So the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. He saves you, regenerates your spirit into the body. Now you're in the body. Now you're on your way to heaven. But it talks about two more baptisms. <coughs> it talks about the baptism by water. Go with me to Matthew 28. Or back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. This is Jesus. He says... Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about water baptism here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Water baptism. So we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in saving somebody. We see the water baptism. He's given all these instructions. But that's not his last word to the disciples. That's not his last word. He has another word for him. He says something else to them. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. That's his last word. He said, you've repented of your sins. You've been water baptized. The Holy Spirit has saved you, made you part of the body of Christ. You've been water baptized. Now be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive what? What does the Holy Spirit give us? Power. Power to do what? Live the new life that God has given us. To put it simply, the first, the first baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us new life. The baptism by water says, I'm cutting off the old life. I'm dead to sin and coming out. I'm cutting off. I'm dead to sin. 1 Peter 2.24 said, says, I, basically, I've been saved by Christ, and now I'm dead to sin, and I live to do what is right. And by his stripes I am healed. So, uh, you, you get saved, then you get baptized in water, and you're saying, I, I've received the new life, now I'm cutting off the old life. This is, when I lean back like this, this is water baptism. <laughs> when I do that, when I lean back like that. Okay, That's, uh, I'm, get, I'm cutting off the old life, and then I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that empowers me to live the new life. You catch that? The Bible says, three bear witness. Three bear witness in heaven and on earth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's three witnesses. The three witnesses. I've been saved by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Now I'm, I'm going to live forever in a place called heaven with my whole church family, man. Not, not, I'm just talking, not talking about church on the move. I'm talking about the whole church family around the world. 
that have all been brought into the family by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna, now I'm dead to my past, man. My, that old man is dead. That old woman is dead. I'm, I don't have to live like that anymore. Man, I put that behind me, and now I'm gonna receive the baptism. I'm gonna be totally immersed in the Holy Spirit and the, receive the power to be a witness, uh, the power to live out this Christian life, the power to be led, the, the relationship with the Holy Spirit that now I'm led by the Spirit. It's the same thing. When the children of Israel, God's always testifying in the Old Testament about the New Testament. The children of Israel were led by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. That's the Holy Spirit. It led them. It led them. Where was, where was Jesus? Well, there was a huge rock that rolled alongside all the children of Israel. A massive rock. A big old boulder. So, man, you're talking about living a supernatural life. They got this cloud. If you've ever seen the wilderness there, and it looks like the surface of the moon. If you Google it, man, the wilderness where the Jews walked, it there's, not, there's nothing green. There's nothing growing, not a cactus. I mean, we think it's brown here. I mean, this place is dead. It just looks like little rocks, like on the surface of the moon. Man, and it's just hot, but there's no shade there's not a tree or anything. There's no shade. But, man, they had that cloud over. Can you imagine you're walking along on that cloud just right over the top of you, shading you? You kind of move over here to see if it's real. Make sure that that's right. And then at night, as soon as the sun goes down, you're like, man, that, that cloud's gone. This big old pillar like a tornado of fire shows up and lights up the camp, warms everybody, because it gets cold in the desert at night. Man, it warms the camp and lights the camp up and lets them know that the presence of God is always with them. Guess what? That cloud and that fire wants to live inside of you and guide you, lead you, comfort you, help you, speak to you. That, that cloud and that fire wants to be in here. Wants to be in here. God is always, and they led, they were led by that. They were led by the Spirit of God. And that big old rock rolled alongside of them, which was Jesus, represented Jesus. And Moses would take his staff, and he would hit it, pop. God said, hit it. And he'd pop it with a staff. You notice it was wood. And some people think it's the same wood that the cross was made out of. And he'd hit it with the staff, and that rock would split open and pour out a river of water, like a whole like create a whole river in that wilderness where all the people would come get water and, and water their animals and everybody, everything, fill up their water jugs. God's so cool. Can you imagine walking along that big old bullet? That thing's following me. I don't know if you've ever driven along and, you know, you drive along these, oh, these highways, these deserted highways in New Mexico and you see a light out in the distance and you're thinking, man, that thing looks like it's following me. You almost want to put it in reverse and back up. Anybody ever think that? Yeah, I know some of you did. Then, then you realize some of them are. It's like a, you know, when I was a kid I used to think, man, that's those old aliens from Roswell. <laughs> Helicopters or airplanes, just something. But those things really were following them, this rock, this pillar of fire, this cloud. And the authority of the Father, we see God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Where's God the Father? God the Father is acting in the leadership and through the leadership of Moses. That's how he presents it. It's amazing. Always three witnesses. There's three things that testify of your salvation. That you've repented of your sins. You've said, I, I want to change. I need the Holy Spirit to help me change. I want my inside to change. I want my spirit from having a sin nature. I want to have a not sin nature. I want to have a nature that wants to do what's right. Instead of one that wants to do what's wrong. And any of you that's ever lived in sin, man, I, I knew the difference the first day. The first day I knew. I'm like, crap, this sin and stuff's not half as fun as it used to be. It wasn't. It wasn't as fun. I'm like, man, this, I can't even enjoy any of this anymore. Why? Because 
I'd been changed on the inside. The Holy Spirit had baptized me and, and, and changed my very nature. The Bible says from a, from a nature of, of rebellion and sin to one of obedience and wanting to do what's right. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Because the whole Spirit's whole testimony is about Jesus. Then you get in the water baptism and say, man, I'm, I'm cutting off that old person, man. No more, no more, no more. Not living like that, not following that old man anymore. Then you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man. You begin to pray in other tongues. You begin to pray in the Spirit. You can sing in the Spirit. You can sing in Spanish or English or whatever other languages you know. But you also have a heavenly language that you can pray in. I probably pray as much or more in the spirit than I do in, my, in English. Why would you do that, Pastor Troy? Because the Holy Spirit prays great prayers, much better prayers than I do. So I pray even more in the spirit than I do uh, in, in English. I don't even attempt to pray to God in Spanish. He'd be like, I understand tongues and I understand English, but whatever that language you're speaking, I don't get that one. <laughs> Spanglish, a little bit of Spanglish. Okay, so Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Let's go back there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. We see that John was preaching here. And he says, those who repent, I baptize with water. But there is coming a man after me who is more powerful than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy enough to pick up his sandals. He will submerge you into, the, into union with the spirit of holiness or the Holy Spirit. And with a raging what? Fire. He's saying there's a water baptism, there's another baptism that's coming. And Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with fire. There's some power in it. There's power. Now, in, in I want to show you something. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse 8, it repeats this same thing. That Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke 3.16, you can write these down. We'll look at another one. We'll look at John. I just want to point out, it's in every one of these books. Now, not every story we read in one book is in another book. But there's a couple things that all of them talk about. They all talk about the, the Jesus being crucified. They all talk about him being resurrected. And they all talk about him baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. That's one of the, those are the three things that all of them have in common. Every Book has this. Not every book has, has uh, Mary and Joseph. Not every book has this. or Not every book has this story. But all of the books, all four of the Gospels, all of them have those three things. Every one of them. I said every one of them. And in John chapter 1, verse 33, I, just, I didn't skip the others for any other reason, just for time. But in, in verse 33, it says this. Let me find it. Well, let's start reading in verse 32. Then as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words. I see the Spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him, and it rested upon him from that moment forward. So here we go. I said it not only rested on him, it stayed with him. First human being, it ever rested and stayed, the Holy Spirit. John testifies to this right here. Then in verse 33, And even though I've yet to experience him, when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the Spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's the one I sent to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. John's already repented. 
John's already accepted and said, man, I need to change and give my life to God. John's saved. He believes in Jesus. He hadn't even seen Jesus. He believes in him. He's testifying about Jesus coming. He already believes in Jesus. He's already born again. He's already saved, but he never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Couldn't receive it. He couldn't receive it in his lifetime. You know why? Because Jesus had to go to heaven to send the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, guys, it's better that I leave the earth and leave you behind because I'm going to send another one called the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, your helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We're just like it. the Holy Spirit rested on me and remained. The Holy Spirit's going to rest on you and remain in the same power that I operated in. I'm going to give you that same power because I said to you that the works I do, you will do, and even greater works. Even greater works. Well, Pastor Troy, why don't we see this happening all the time? Well, a lot of times, guys, it's because we don't hear enough teaching. Faith cometh by and hearing the word of God. We got to hear it and hear it and hear it. Here's one thing we need to hear. We need to understand God loves us. I mean, people say amen, but then you get in situations and you really question it. I bet every one of us have questioned it in this room. Like, man, God, do you really love me? How could this happen to me? What's happening here? Why did this happen? A lot of times we start, we start questioning God's motives and God's heart and love towards us before we even question our motives if we opened up any doors to this happening to me. We question God more than we question ourselves. And God doesn't want us to question ourselves to beat ourselves up, but we need to be honest. We need to be honest about some things and say, okay, God, you know, this stuff is that I realize I've had a bad attitude or I did this or, man, I lived in this sin or I opened up this door. And, and sometimes it's not any of that, but we need to start there instead of pointing a finger at God. But the first thing we need to understand is, is that God loves me. What's the next thing we need to understand? If God loves me and he promised me and I'm going to trust his promise. Here's the thing I know about God, though. God will not violate leadership. That's why we pray all the time about the leadership of our nation. You get in a leadership position, he'll, he'll go through that leader. He'll, what does he say? He said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, he will reap. He said, when leaders love God, the people rejoice. When leaders don't love God, the people groan. Otherwise, it's going to be painful. He speaks these things to let us know that he's not going to violate your leadership. He's not going to violate mine. He doesn't just make us do stuff. We have to decide. We have to, we have to decide who we're going to sit on, under. Like, am I going to sit under God? Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of my life? When we do that, then we begin to understand, God loves me. God loves me. He loves my family. And when you, when you really get a hold of that, then you'll begin to believe that the promises of God are that he's going to keep his promise to you, to heal you, to help you. Now, we'd like to do that for some other people. You know, I always say this, sometimes our faith is stronger for others than it is for ourselves. I always, I always think of this example that when I was in school, if someone asked me to help them do their homework, man, I was Johnny on the spot. But when it came to my own homework, I could put it off. I'm like, I'll get to that. I don't know if just feeling like they, you feel smart, so you're helping somebody, you want to be there for them. You know, and I don't know about, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You'd procrastinate your homework, but you'd be, you'd be happy to help someone else. Do theirs. Man, I, I would have loved to have met a bunch of people that wanted to help me with my homework. I'd have just given it to them. Hey, just, matter of fact, just do it all for me. Maybe they'll be able to read it because my handwriting's terrible. But guys, we, God's not going to violate your own leadership of your own life. And we can't, we can't say, well, you know what? I, I really believe, Olivia, God loves you. But every time something happens to me, I question his love for me. 
A lot of times we encourage others. Man, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. We need to, we need to stir up ourselves that God loves me. He loves me. He loves you. Then, his, then we trust his promises. This is where I'm going with this. Once we begin to trust in his love for us, then we can trust in his promises. Then we can trust in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he's going he's gonna to actually do what we ask him to do. He gives this example in the Bible. He says, listen, if a man, an evil man's son asks him to give him a loaf of bread, will he give him a rock? Or if he asks him to feed him a fish, will he give him a snake? He said, if an evil man is capable of giving good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? He, the reason he said this is because people think, well, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, I might get some other kind of spirit. After all, these old charismatic people that pray in tongues are a little weird anyway. Look at Pastor Troy. And so... I'm serious. So some people act like, well, if I ask God for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to get some kind of demon or something. I mean, it's crazy thinking. God, God knew people would think crazy. That's why he said that scripture. He said, listen, don't, don't think crazy. If you're asking me for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. If you're asking him, that's what he's going to give you is the Holy Spirit. I've said this last Wednesday. I'm going to say it again. You don't live in a time, and nor is anybody else, that you don't need the leading of the Holy Spirit. That you don't need to know the Holy Spirit, know his voice. Jesus knew. Who led Jesus into the wilderness in chapter 4? The Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus need the Holy Spirit to lead him? Because he's setting an example for us. Hey, this is how life is supposed to be. You repent, you get baptized, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he empowers you and begins to lead you and begins to teach you what his voice sounds like. And then he, then he does this. He always confirms his voice with the Bible. The Holy Spirit will never say anything that the Bible doesn't say. I've had people once again say, well, the Holy Spirit told me this. I'm like, that's not in the Bible. The Holy Spirit, well, yeah, but you can't tell me the Holy Spirit didn't tell me. I said, yes, I can. Because if it's not in the Bible, the Holy Spirit didn't say it. He didn't tell you to, you know, divorce your husband or wife and run off with another man. I've had people tell me. Seriously, I've had them tell me. God's led me to this. this I knew it was God because I got on the Internet, and they immediately started talking to me about Jesus. And my husband doesn't talk to me enough about Jesus. And, man, I'm just, oh, they're just talking. And they're just, they started ministering to me. Man, and I just fell in love with them because all they talk about is Jesus. And I, I know it's the Spirit of God leading me to have an affair with this other man or this other woman. God's going to tell you that's other stupidity. To say the Holy Spirit told you to sin. The Holy Spirit led you to this other person. Have anybody ever heard these stories besides me? Raise your hand if you've heard these stories. Some people I know are living this right now. I've heard it so many times. Listen, that's not the Spirit of God. That's a demonic spirit on this other person and on you that's deceiving you into thinking. And that other person's playing games with the things of God. Twisting the things of God to get you in an affair. And usually drop you like a hot potato once they get what they want. I've seen it time and time. And leave you with a mess. A broken marriage and broken children and a broken life. If you've experienced that, that someone said, well, I, I just fell in love over here and this was God. And this, listen, that was all a lie. That was all a lie. Don't buy that. Don't, don't think don't think for a second it was you, it wasn't you, it was them, and it was the devil. And they, the devil didn't make them do it, just like God wouldn't. They cooperated. Let yourself off the hook, it wasn't you. You might not have been perfect in the relationship, no one is. I haven't been. But if you were good and you didn't cheat, and you, man, you, you operated the best you could with what you knew at the time, listen, let yourself off the hook. You're not the one responsible, the other person is. You, you receive God's love and let him comfort you and steer you through that. You let him help you through that. But I'll tell you what will help you is if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and learn how to really pray. 
The Holy Spirit's the one who guides us into all truth. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he opens up the word of God to you, even at a higher level than it's ever been open to you. I can, I can guarantee I'd give you 50 testimonies in this room tonight how that operates. How that operates and how, God, how much God wants to love you. I don't know why I went off on that marriage thing. I just believe someone in here needs to hear. God loves you. You weren't perfect, but it wasn't your fault. Someone else made decisions. Someone else made decisions to hurt you. you. You walk in the love and forgiveness and goodness of God and move forward. Allow God to heal your broken heart, because he will. Anybody testify that God can heal a broken heart tonight? Man, look around the room. He can heal a broken heart. Look at how many people have experienced that. He can heal it, cause you to release that other person. Man, forgive and move on. God's that good. And then, what he always does, he'll give you something better. If you'll trust him, he'll give you something better. Someone say, praise God. Or he'll restore the relationship that you wanted. He can do either one because he's that good. But we know by reading these scriptures, we can see in the word, oh man, and even though, verse 33, I've yet to experience him when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He says it over and over and again. If he says it in all four gospels, it must be the, one of the major points of the word. One of the major points of the word. Mm. Let's look at some examples here. Uh, let's start with Acts, Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. Let's start with Acts chapter two. Just some great examples. We've looked at these Sunday when we talked about family, but there's just so much here that that God wants you to see. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we read this Sunday about how God wanted to save them and their family, them and their children. That's how much God loves family. But let's, let's dissect what Peter preached here. This is the first person to preach a message by the power of the Holy Spirit in the first church. Peter is the first pastor, the first preacher. He said, repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus, the anointed one. So there's two things he already said. He said, you must first repent. That's accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, asking him to forgive your sins and receiving that forgiveness. The second thing, that's the baptism where the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit will baptize you. Okay? The second thing is water baptism in the name of Jesus. What does it say? It talks about an anointing, being set apart. You're saying, I'm dead to that old man, and I'm alive for, with the new one. I have a new direction and a new life. And then he says this. The third thing, he said, for God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. He's saying, listen, if he calls you and saves you, he also wants you to receive the gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so he can empower you to walk out this life. Peter's preaching it to the, this is the first message of the first church and he, to the first people after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's already saved. He already knows Jesus. He's already been water baptized. He's done everything he knows to do. But he's, Jesus said, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when he got that, that's when it took off. That's when it all just took off. We see it in Acts 19. This will be the last verse I read tonight. Acts 19. It's also a similar verse that we've read before. But it's worth reading again. It says, while Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. Who are they following? The first thing he asked them, not the second or the third, was... Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied. We've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John baptized, bapt, 
baptism. John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins, and he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus the Anointed One. So again, we see that the Holy Spirit saved them, and then they got water baptized, saying, listen, I'm, I'm a new creature on the inside. The Holy Spirit has saved me. My spirit is alive. Now I'm being water baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm dead to the old man, living for the new one. Then he says this. He said, when they understood this, they were baptized in the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested. Everybody say manifested. And they immediately spoke in tongues and prophesied. They immediately spoke in tongues and they began to prophesy. How did the Holy Spirit manifest? Tongues and prophecy. What, what kind of prophecy here? Were they telling the future? No. They began to testify. This is, there's two types of prophecy. This type of prophecy is they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to testify about Jesus. They begin to spray in tongues and then in their regular language, in the, whatever the, the, the Ephesians uh, spoke, uh, they, some form of Arabic, they begin to testify about how great Jesus, how they've been saved and baptized and how they now have the power of the Holy Spirit. And they begin to tell others and speak to each other and people around them about Jesus. They were empowered to minister. That's why the majority of Christians never lead anybody one-on-one -on -one to Jesus because the majority of Christians are not baptized in the Holy Spirit who empowers you to minister to others and lead others to Christ. Guys, there's, there's not a day. I prayed probably an hour and a half driving back from El Paso today just in, just in the Spirit, just in tongues, just an hour and a half. Just pray. I prayed over Donnell. Donnell, it's good to have you in church. Man, isn't it good to have Donnell in church? We celebrated John coming, and now Donnell's back. 500 days. I told Donnell, I always knew he'd be famous. I didn't know he'd be famous for staying 500 days in the hospital and coming out. But he's been interviewed by CNN. All kinds of people want to talk to Donnell. It's crazy. It's cool, though, because no one expected. I don't know how many times Suzanne or Ashley would text or call and say, it's over. They're saying it's over. And I, the strength of these two young women is amazing to me because they were told over and over again. They were told over and over again, it's over, it's over, it's over. But guess what? The Holy Spirit began to speak. The Holy Spirit began to speak. I said the Holy Spirit began to speak. And he would comfort and speak, and he'd speak a different word. He said, we're not believing that report. We're going to believe the report of the Lord. And he's not finished with either one of them yet. Listen, man, the power of the Holy Spirit and the function of the Holy Spirit, the relationship he wants to have with you is so supernatural and so cool. Please, please begin to pray now. Say, Father, when I ask you to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, you won't give me anything else but what I ask for, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray in other tongues. I'm going to manifest. Every time the Holy Spirit fell on them, every time it happened, the manifestation was praying in other tongues. Why? Because that's one of the number one things the Holy Spirit wants to do is pray. He wants to pray through you. He wants to pray for you, for your families. And through you for all kinds of things that you never even thought about, but he does. Because God's moved and God's kingdom's moved by prayer. By prayer. Listen, every eye closed and we're going to wrap this up. Listen, if you're in here right now or you're online right now and you're not right with God, this, that's the first step. The Holy Spirit is already speaking to you. He's drawing you. He's the one speaking to you. He's the one talking to you. Some people think, man, how does that pastor know this or know that? Or how does he, I don't know. I don't know any of it. The Holy Spirit does. He does. He's the one that's moving in these services. He's the one that's speaking through me to you. I never want to get up here on my, under my own power. I don't have any. But man, I... But the Holy Spirit, I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. And he wants to live in you. 
wants to operate in you and through you. But it begins with a choice. You have to make a decision and say, listen, I've tried things my way. I've done it my way. I've lived for myself. I've lived selfishly or I've, I've just, man, I've tried this thing the world's way, Satan's way of just handling stuff. And man, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm finished. It, it led me to a place of pain and hurt. And man, I don't know how to put any of this stuff behind me in my past. I can't. I don't know how to heal from this brokenness or this heart that hurts. Or Man, I don't know how to change what I've been doing, hurting my family and hurting others. I, I, I just don't know how to do it. And I've come to the end of my road. And if you've gotten there, if that's where you're at, where you're like, I know there's something more. I know there's something more. This is where it is. It begins with Jesus. He's more. But you have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. You have to submit your life to him. Say, my life is no longer my own. It belongs to you. And today, the Holy Spirit will recreate in you a new spirit. A new spirit. And he'll dwell in you. Save your life. Jesus will save your life. And when you die, you'll live in a place called heaven and not a place called hell. That's just the truth of it. So if you've never prayed that and you want to pray that right now, online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message. Man, I want to pray. I want to get this right. I want to go to heaven, not hell. I need Jesus. I need his leadership. I realize I I can't do it on my own. I don't want to live selfishly anymore. I don't want to keep hurting people. I don't want to keep hurting. I know Jesus is the only one that can fix it. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I talked to a young woman that had been on metal medications. As a matter of fact, they had her up to nine because they had to give her one on top of another on top of another to deal with symptoms and situations and physical changes in her body and mental changes and wow she they had her up to nine one day she was just studying the scriptures and praying she'd prayed she'd begged God to help her and one day one day she just said Jesus I know you've set me free she didn't wean off of it like I would probably recommend most doctors would no she went cold turkey off of nine medications and was set free and has been free completely. I said that to somebody because you've been looking to man to fix your, your emotions, your, your mind, your heart. Listen, man is sold. All they can do is medicate you and kill you with all those medications. It's eventually going to physically or mentally just going to take your life. Shorten your life. It's a good crutch, but it's a terrible way to live. Jesus wants to set you free. He's the only one that can. So online, if it's your first time, just go ahead and send that message. And then maybe it's your next time. Maybe you've rebelled against God. You've run away from Him. Things are happening. Things have happened. You've opened up doors, man, that, golly, they're tearing your life up. And you know better. You just need to come home. So whether it's your first time or your next time, send a message online. And right in here, in this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God before, before I get out of this building. I'm, I'm going to get right with God. So if that's you online, send the message in here. One, two, three. Just put your hand up and say, I'm going to get right with God. Before I leave here, I see these hands. Wow, all over the room. Praise God. Let's pray online, whether you're playing tonight or Thursday or Saturday or Sunday. Whenever you're watching this, it's still valid. Don't, don't let the devil talk you out of that. It's, it's valid. It's valid. Just pray with your heart. And those online and those in here, let's all pray together. And If you've prayed this before, it's okay. Let's all pray it with them just to encourage them. Say this together. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe Because you love us. You sent Jesus to do what none of us could do. And that's die for our sins. He was the only one 
that could do that for us, for me. And he did. And you raised him from the dead. And you did all of that to rescue me. I believe it. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me by the blood of Jesus of all my sins. And I receive right now your forgiveness in your Lordship over my life. For I say from my heart and out of my mouth, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. Thank you for saving me or restoring me. Right now, I'm right with you. Teach me now how to live all the life, out all the plans you have for my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good he is. Got to do one more thing. Donnell's sitting there. John's sitting there. Reach your hands one way or the other. Father, we thank you that you started a work in their bodies to heal them. And Father, right now as a church body, we've prayed for them as a body before. We not only pray over them, but all those that are all that have been diagnosed and suffering for whatever sickness and disease. But we thank you, Father, in John and, and Donnell and all these, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You complete the work. You said you're the author and finisher of our faith, that you will complete what you started, you'll finish. So, Father, we thank you. You started to heal, and you promised to finish the healing. So we speak that finished work, finished healing over John and Donnell and our brothers and sisters that are suffering from any sickness and disease. Be healed completely and finished in Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank God for that. Sorry about that. Praise the Lord.